0: it's said that your real life begins where your comfort zone ends well it's about to get real as we have radically authentic
1: conversations to help you thrive in your personal and professional life while navigating the twists and turns of being human Buckle up, because this might get
0: uncomfortable. Starts right now with Jason Robel and Whitney Lordson. This episode is coming out on March 2nd, which is National Read Across America Day. I found out I've been getting really into all these little holidays. What's that face
1: for? It sounds like that was something in, that started in the 80s during the Reagan administration. It
0: honestly might add- is- have. <laughs> It might have. No, actually, it started in 1998.
1: Oh, okay. It just it sounded very 80s to me.
0: It's according to nationaltoday.com. It was established to help get kids excited about reading. And it occurs each year on the birthday of beloved children's book author, Dr. Sure. Seuss. I was going
1: to say Shel Silverstein, who's oh. my favorite.
0: Well, mm. Dr. Seuss is pretty good, though, you must say. I'm surprised that you're not a big Dr. Seuss man. I feel well, like with all your wacky well, tendencies. Well, I,
1: I, there's some contentiousness about theater Seuss Geisel, Dr. Seuss. What do you mean? Well, there's a lot of stuff about him abusing his wife and taking her ideas. Really? Yeah, it's, it's actually really disheartening when you dig into, and I, I don't mean to go there, but I have to go there because I feel like he's a person that, obviously has shaped so many of our childhoods. I mean, I my mom read me all of his books and Shelver, Shel Silverstein's books. and
0: Yeah, but Shel Silverstein was basically your dad.
1: Yeah, pretty much. You tell that story. Yeah. So um, <laughs> Shel Silverstein, the lauded author of Where the Sidewalk Ends and The Giving Tree and a lot of seminal children's books. My father was a doppelganger of Shel Silverstein, like complete doppelganger. And he, in the 70s and 80s in Hollywood when my dad was out here acting would impersonate Shell Silverstein and go into restaurants and we get free meals at restaurants in Beverly Hills until someone finally figured it out after like years and realized it wasn't Shell Silverstein and then he couldn't pull it in Hollywood anymore.
0: <laughs> Wait you mean one person figured it out and then he couldn't get away with it anywhere?
1: I mean that's of course there's probably a lot more to it than that but the jig was up as they say. So, but maybe my he just my lost m- confidence. Maybe, but my dad was pulling it off for a while, where he would literally walk around Hollywood pretending to be Shaw Silverstein, which that's, I thought was hilarious. That's a
0: pretty good story.
1: But he looked so much like him when you see a picture of my dad in that era, and you see a picture of Shel Silverstein on the back of any of his books, he's a dead ringer, a dead ringer. Well, huh? Whitney and I do this thing where sometimes we'll see people in public, and we'll go like. You know, eighty five percent Vince Vaughn, and we'll like give a grade of how much they look like a person we know. <laughs> yeah. My dad was n- probably ninety three percent Shel Silverstein, like r- almost exactly on point. So wow. he pulled it off. Well, for a maybe while. in the
0: show notes we should do a side by side photo.
1: We'll do that of we'll your that. dad.
0: Well, I wanted to bring this up today because I think it's, you know, we're always looking for timely content. Yeah, and so a lot of the times when I'm scheduling out our episodes, I'll look and see. Are there any national days that match themes that we could have? This is really important to me, though, because we're both authors now. Actually, the day that we're recording this on February 11th, 2020, is the day that my book officially came out, The Vegan Ketogenic Diet Cookbook. We're both cookbook authors now. And for the first time in my life, I feel like I really want to write more. I'd love to publish another book. I don't think I necessarily want to do another cookbook. If it if it came to my lap like this one did, I would do it for sure. I mean, it's hard to turn down opportunities that just come to you and this one was incredibly rewarding and a great experience. But similar to Jason, I just don't know if I have massive passion for recipes necessarily. I have more passion for personal development as is the topic of of this this podcast and I recently had published a few newsletters to my, my personal mailing list, and they were all centered around books. Mm-hmm. And I was finding all these interesting statistics about books, and I'm really fascinated by that. And it, it's interesting because this National Read Across America Day, I think, is aimed towards kids. Right. But to me, I feel like most people, well, maybe maybe I don't know, actually. And, and the truth is, I'm ignorant. I don't know what the exact statistics are. but At least in my childhood, I read a lot and I felt like books were such a huge part of my childhood, whether it was my parents reading books to me or reading books for fun, you know, and then reading books in school was a really big part of my education. So I was surrounded by books. And then my very first job was actually at a library. So I was literally surrounded by it. My books
1: during that phase of my life. The library that I've been to, the one in the center of town?
0: Well, that one is the new location. They actually moved. So it was in a different location. But it was that. It's that library, oh. but just not the same original location that I worked in.
1: And when I say center of town, I'm referring to the small town that Whitney grew up. Yes, that exactly. I've, been, I've been to the new version and it is very quaint and sweet and has the vibe you would expect from a, a small town East Coast library. It has like a certain... There's a certain energy to it that you're like, oh, like I want to spend time here.
0: Yeah, for sure. And it's also one of the filming locations for the movie Little Women, which is a book. So I I wanted to talk about this today because I think it's important for us as adults to feel inspired to read, Mm -hmm. to be motivated to read, to be encouraged to read. So that's my aim. And also just to talk about how books have touched our lives and what books we love. Ooh,
1: I like this. So I I pulled up
0: some of the the, the information about National Read Across America and they actually had like some activities. So I thought I would read these a lot. Again, these are all kind of aimed towards kids, but I think this can apply to people at, at all ages. The first one was to make a date with a book.
1: Mm, go on.
0: Which kind of reminds me of the artist's way and making, right? Aren't artist they called dates. artist dates? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So really it's, it's taking your favorite book or a book that you really want to read out and going out for coffee, getting a glass of wine.
1: I love this. Actually, this is clearly I love this. this clearly for kids. is not. For I was going to say. um.
0: I thought this was all for kids, but kids at heart. Maybe this very first. Once
1: you got to the wine part, take your favorite <laughs> cigarette, uh, take your bottle of wine, and go. Um,
0: but no, not even a the kid coffee. article. Uh, even the coffee part—that's interesting. <laughs> Uh, it maybe it's kids. like for parents of children. I don't know. <laughs> Anyways, they take your book out to dinner, sit at a bar or a table for two and get lost in your book while out in public. I like this. Isn't that so sweet? No,
1: I, re- I, I actually, there's a different energy I find when I'm reading a book. Um, my version of that is like on vacation. If I'm in yeah. a hammock or reading a book on the beach. This idea, though, of bringing uh, your book on a coffee date or a dinner date, I like this. It's, Isn't that it's, cool? There's Especially something really sweet about I it. I
0: must say, Jason, as a single man, if you brought your book out to read. Yes. And it's a great conversation. And put the book on
1: top of my bulldog, is what you're Well, you you're
0: could saying. do that. But I'm saying like, it. going out and reading in public is an automatic conversation
1: starter. How so?
0: Well, I mean, I've thought, I thought about this when I was single. Is that I would go out and publicly read sometimes or like fantasize about meeting a guy at a bookstore, right? Because I love books. Bookstores are amazing. Right? And how romantic is that? But I love that idea when you see somebody reading a book, which honestly is not that common, at least in Los Angeles. I mean, how often do you see somebody sitting by themselves reading a book? Rarely. You don't even see people by themselves that much, anyways. And I feel like people, when they're on their phones, they kind of like. Disappear. I don't even notice people or take them in very much if they're just on their phones. But if somebody's reading a book, you're going to notice them because you're probably going to be curious well, what book are they reading and why are they reading it? Is it the first time that they're reading it? You know, what's going on in their life? Have you read that book before? Have you been wanting to read that book? It's such a great conversation. So I just challenge Mm. you, Jason, Mm. and anyone else who's looking to meet more people, whether romantically or friendship wise. I think books are a phenomenal. Way to, to meet strangers. Interesting. I never if you're considered in this. Public space.
1: I never considered this. Yeah. I did get on this topic. I did get invited to a uh, vegan singles night this evening. Tonight. Yes. Okay. So I don't know if maybe I should uh, take my Dr. Joe Dispenza book, the one I'm reading right now, "Becoming Supernatural," which is really fascinating, uh, and pop that on the bar while I'm at the, I don't know. Any what? the timing. I don't know the timing of it's interesting.
0: Honestly, I could just be
1: there reading my book and
0: don't you feel like when you're when you're trying to meet people, it's so tough sometimes because you don't know what
1: to start talking about. I had that the other night at the Oscar party. Yep. Whitney was like, you got to go talk to this girl. She's totally your type, blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, what do I what do I say? Like the what what approach angle like that? And to your point, I feel like to me, once I'm in conversation with someone, it's very easy for me to flow the terror I feel when going up and talking to someone I've ever met is what to say first.
0: Exactly. So if, if she had been reading a book automatically. Oh, of course. Of course. Oh, so easy. Of course.
1: Yeah, yeah that's a good point.
0: Mm-hmm. So maybe it's make a date with a book to get a date. <laughs> right?
1: Should I bring Bella my bulldog as backup though? Just sure, as backup. But as let's backup.
0: be honest. Is she going to be quiet enough for you to focus on reading? Probably not. She. You think she'll sit still? I don't know. I mean, you can go to a park, but even even like a restaurant or anywhere where there's a lot of people. I think coffee shops are a great place and you can find them with like a comfy couch and a nice window. You can go into a bookstore and read. I just think, yeah, I think it's a really it's a cool thing. All yeah. right. So let's see. Tip number two, go to a reading. Oh, well, this is true. Like going to where people are like a, a public event where people are reading books, like local libraries, bookstores, going in there and seeing your favorite author read a book.
1: Oh, I like that very right? much. But yeah,
0: another bu- great way to socialize too.
1: For sure. Yeah. And, and for any, any Angelinos or people passing through Los Angeles, I have two. I just want to recommend briefly for bookstores? this kind of thing. Yeah. yeah. For this kind of Number
0: thing. Number one is obvious.
1: Last bookstore. Yes. Downtown. downtown LA, the last bookstore. It's multiple stories they have a book tunnel that is so highly Instagrammed, but it's still dope. And It's a tunnel made of books. It's a tunnel made of books. And the vibration there is of an old bookstore that's been there for decades, which it has, but also mixed with like a funky, cool, like you want to go see author signings and author speakings there. I've actually gone there for several authors to do events there. But by hands down, if you are in LA or passing through LA, the last bookstore in downtown LA is... Spectacular!
0: It's and it's in a lot of movies and TV shows. I see it often. It's wonder. I love yeah, the energy there. It's really
1: cool. The other one that I really love, which is uh, close to our podcast studio, is uh, Skylight Books. Mm-hmm. It's much smaller than Last Bookstore, but has that indie—I don't hipster, but indie cool, small, very curated—and the staff always has really cool selections of like their staff picks. They also anybody's into pens and writing utensils, as I am, <laughs> they have an incredible selection of Japanese and German pens there that are so tactilely pleasing to use. So if you happen to be in Skylight in the Los Feliz neighborhood of Los Angeles, check out their pen selection.
0: Then there's also Powell's book.
1: Powell's is great.
0: Which is just in Portland, or do they have multiple locations?
1: I've only been to the Portland one. That is... A massive, beautiful experience as well. Powell's Mm -hmm. is dope Mm -hmm. in Portland. I love that place.
0: And I was recently invited to do a book signing in San Francisco at the Ferry Building, which I'm not going to be doing. But I definitely was intrigued when I heard that it was at the Ferry Building, which is a great location. So I think it's really fun to seek out neat bookstores. I'm trying to think in Massachusetts growing up.
1: There's got to be some in Boston, right? Well, there's there's got to be some cool indie bookstores some, in Boston.
0: I don't know if it still exists, but the Harvard Law School, or maybe it was just Harvard University, they have or had a really cool library in Cambridge, which is just a neat city. And there are just various like small bookstores scattered around the city. Nothing else. Actually, in Concord, Massachusetts, which is close to where I grew up, they have a really great bookstore. I'm pretty sure you've been in there, Jason, but I, it might just be called the Concord Bookshop. For me, it's going into a bookstore, and the smell is like the most intoxicating oh thing. Oh, Whether it's God. new books or old books, the smell is the best. Yes. And the people are always inter- The people that work in libraries are also very fascinating.
1: Oh, for sure. And <laughs> and also on the rare occasion, a la New Hampshire, being at um. The bookstore, there was a shop cat. There was a bookshop cat. Oh, that's right, in there Portsmouth, this, in New, Portsmouth Hampshire. New Hampshire. Yes. there And I, I do not recall the name of the bookstore, uh, but list if you, listeners. But if you
0: look up Portsmouth, New Hampshire bookstore cat, cat. you will find yes. it. Yes, I mean, enter that, that
1: in a Google search. I can and, do that right And now. this cat was so sweet, and it's so nice to walk into an old bookstore that has history and a vibe to it, like vibe, man, and then be greeted by a shop cat. It's just so, yeah. it's kind of like, oh, maybe... Maybe I should open a cat cafe slash bookstore.
0: And you know what that cat? what's that? Do you know what that cat's name is? I just found when I looked it up.
1: Horatio. <laughs> no. no, Horatio the cat. No, no Petunia. Petunia the cat. Yes. Yep. I loved meeting Petunia. Yep. And
0: what's cool is actually it's called, it's called Sheaf Street Books. That's right. And it's actually a house. Like the guy that owns the bookstore.
1: Owns the house.
0: Lives in there. That's like, genius. Like his kitchen is to the, like when you're walking through this little bookstore, you could accidentally go into the kitchen if you weren't being mindful.
1: That's incredible. <laughs> he built a bookstore in his house. Now, I, I don't know cool what came
0: first, the house at the bookstore, but Well, yeah. either way,
1: that's dope. Yep. You yep. know what? I want to open a bookstore. I'm just going to make one in the house. Yep. That's, that's cool. Why not? That's cool. Yeah. And then Petunia's trolling, she's patrolling the property. So
0: sweet. Yeah.
1: So that that's the thing about and I think this brings up a larger point, Wit, too, and I know it's tangential and related. Is supporting small independent businesses has a different energy to it. Mm-hmm. You know, going to a big box retailer, I don't I don't feel the excitement or the specialness or the vibe that I feel when I go to an indie bookstore. And no disrespect to uh, a Barnes and Noble, right? Not Which at all. Are, there's some pretty Th- there's cool, Barnes some cool Barnes and, in, and Nobles in out Baltimore.
0: There. The Barnes and Noble that's true. is rad. Did yeah, you go agreed. in there?
1: I did. Yeah, it's the, like
0: an old uh, the one on the water. Yeah, yep. it's like an old factory or something. It's right on the on the um yeah the marina or whatever I that just, is. Yeah, I just
1: think there's something so. I prefer knowing that my money is being spent by supporting an indie business, uh, knowing the owner who's probably there. There's just a different relationship, and that's why. Shout out to all of the independent bookstores we just mentioned in the U.S. There are probably plenty more, and we'll link to the ones that we mentioned in the show notes at wellevator.com. It's w-e-l-l-e-v-a-t-r.com. But supporting indie businesses in general, I think, is just really, really important. As we see, you know, corporate conglomerates growing and buyouts and mergers, and and obviously, giant corporations becoming huger and huger. Amazon nonwithstanding, going and physically going to an independent bookstore is a very special thing.
0: It is, for sure. And there's nothing wrong with buying online, getting digital books. True. So for anybody who feels like they don't have time to read because the physical act of carrying a book around or sitting down, you know, it just feels time consuming. To me, if you can make book reading part of multitasking, the easiest way to do that is to listen to an audiobook. And so I kind of in my head laugh a little whenever anybody says that they don't have time to read because you usually have time to watch TV, a movie, uh, listen to a podcast like this one.
1: Or spend five I mean, hours we, a day on social media.
0: Yeah, we love having you listen to our podcast, but we also want to encourage you to to space it out and to listen to an audio book too. And that's actually what I do on most of my drives. I go through phases where I'll listen to podcasts, but most of the time I listen to an audio book because I love learning And you can do it through Audible. You could also do it through lending from your local library. So there's a phenomenal platform that we'll link to in the show notes at wellevator.com called Libby, L-I-B-B-Y. And that's part of a service called Overdrive. And I discovered it years ago. And I feel like everybody needs to know about this. They actually had a sponsorship opportunity recently. And I really wanted it. I'm like, please sponsor me. I'm obsessed with you. Maybe one day they'll be a sponsor of our our podcast. But um, yeah, I, I... use Libby almost every single day because you can use your library card to get books for free and you're basically digitally borrowing them and they have audiobooks and digital books. So I just download a new book several times a week and I listen to it in the car and then I'll read the Kindle version on my iPad and I learn so much. I'm just I mean it's hard for me to even tell you off the top of my head what books I'm reading because I'm always reading a bunch at once, but off the top of my head, I can name a few. The audio book I'm listening to right now is called Attached, and that's actually gonna be the subject matter of one of our podcast episodes, which I think is gonna come out after this one. So we'll link to that one in the show notes at wellevator.com. And the other one I just started reading is Gabrielle Bernstein's new book, The Judgment Detox, which is super interesting. Oh,
1: I've heard about it, yeah. It's
0: really good. I love just any personal development books like that. So what I do, my system actually, because I, I really like to read and I get a lot of recommendations and sometimes it can feel overwhelming, Right. is I use Libby. Every time somebody recommends a book, I go and search for it in Libby and 95% of the time that book is in their system. Mm. And most of the books, I would say there's like 50-50 chance that the book will be available immediately to borrow. But most books, well, I guess, like I said, 50-50. So half of the books, uh, you have to get on the waiting list, put a hold on them, and then you'll get the book within like a month, a month to two months or so. So it takes some time. Mm -hmm. But because I, I always have a lot of different books I'm rotating through, I don't even notice because while I'm waiting for one book, I'm reading another one. And so I, I just put a hold on every book that I hear about through Libby and then it'll just automatically download into my system and I'll, I'll have it there. And what I really love too is because I like to retain information and implement it. I highlight all the books that I read through Kindle mm. and Kindle's really cool because you can sync it up with your Amazon account and have all of your notes stored digitally in the cloud. Oh, interesting. So now I can go into the cloud through Amazon and find every single book highlight.
1: Oh wow, that's really useful.
0: And you can copy and paste from there. So if you ever want to use it for research, like when I was writing my book, I could reference all of these books that I had read and find actual data.
1: Oh, from interesting. That. So
0: it was really helpful for my book writing process.
1: I think it's interesting because I I personally feel a lot of resistance around reading digitally. Uh, I've I've Used other people's pads because I don't have an iPad or a Kindle, and I've done it before. And for me, I I think it's um probably part of its habit. But the other thing is, I just I enjoy the weight and the feel of turning pages and, and the, the smell and, and the smell and the 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 entire sensory sensual experience of holding a book and using it that I just didn't get when I tried to use a pad or a tablet. So it's interesting because what you're saying is sounds extremely efficient and user friendly. But at the same time, it seems that year after year, my book collection just keeps growing and growing and growing to the point where I actually got last year, my mentor Michael gave me a second bookshelf. And I don't mind that. You know, a lot of people I know are in this whole, you know, minimalist thing, which I very much subscribe to on a material level. But whenever I see people like Marie Kondoing and giving away their books, I'm like, nope. 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 Well part of what Marie Kondo teaches is that you
0: keep the books that you that are A (laughs) A, very sentimental and important to you. Yeah. And B books that you're going to read multiple times. I think the part the her point is that most of us get books and never Mm. read them even one time, let alone twice. That's true. That's a good point. So if you have a book that you want to give away to somebody to loan somebody It's, you know, there's all different purposes. And I think that's why I like digital books is because they don't get as as attached to them and they don't become clutter. I think a Mm. physical book for, to your point, is great for a sensory standpoint. However, because I like to research and and collect data, they're not that useful to me because I end up highlighting them in the margins and, you know, underlying and marking and stuff. And then what can I do with that? I have to go back to the book and I have to find the page that it was on. And it's it just efficient. takes a lot of work. Yeah. Whereas for me, highlighting books in Kindle, I can just search for a word in my Kindle notes and find that quote that I was looking for in the book and again, and utilize it. So yeah, for me, I would rather do that than the,
1: have the sensory experience. So oftentimes I've noticed in podcasts and interviews, and I've been asked this, because I've, I've done a lot of podcast interviews at this point, like a crazy amount. And a couple times I've been asked the whole prototypical, you know, if you were on a desert island and you could only have, usually it's, you know, three or five books for the rest of your life that you would take <laughs> with you. So to that point, and, and I guess a better framework would be, you know, what are the books that have had the most impact on your life? Like the ones that immediately come to mind that you're like, that was a massive turning point in my awareness, my worldview. Something that hits you so deeply emotionally. You know, what what are some of that come to mind for you, Whitney? Books that were real game changers for you.
0: There's a lot. There's a lot of books. And I I, I have trouble answering these types of questions because I want to give them like a a really solid response. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so I haven't I haven't thought about that much recently, but I guess the very first book is The Power of Now by or actually no. I don't know why I said that book. It's Eckhart Tolle, but A New Earth. Uh,
1: The second book. Yes.
0: I actually liked that one better than The Power of Now. And for some reason, it's lesser known. But maybe it was because I read A New Earth first. The other book that's made a really impact on me is The War of Art by Stephen Pressfield, just because it's about resistance. And I think that's something that a lot of people struggle with and maybe don't even realize it. So To me, that book is one that I find myself referencing over and over again. The, a New Earth, I don't reference nearly as often, but it impacted me in that it, it kind of cracked my mind open and got me to think about my ego in a really profound way. I'm sure there's a bunch of others. Maybe I'll think about them kind of like glancing over at my bookshelf right now. I mean, yeah. I, you know, <laughs> I, I guess I just, I read so much. And so another book that came to mind is The Untethered Soul by Michael Singer. Oh, yeah. Great book. So I could just list off tons of books like that. But those I guess those two or three have really made enough of an impact to come immediately to mind. For sure. What is do you have like a common answer or a new answer to that question? I mean,
1: I think I if I remember I mean, there's a lot because I read a lot as a kid. And when I was a, a really small child, I would take books to bed with me uh, as if they were stuffed animals. I was obsessed with reading. Obsessed. Uh, in terms of my lifespan I mean, definitely as a child, The Giving Tree. We mentioned Shel Silverstein. The Giving Tree was who? And I I mean, I've always been super sensitive, even more so as a child. Uh, The Giving Tree comes to mind. Another book as a child, which very few people know about, is a book called Rotten Island.
0: Never heard of it. Mm
1: -hmm. I still have it, actually. I have it at my house. I took it from my mom's place and brought it back to Los Angeles. Um, Rotten Island, amazing book about compassion and getting along and hatred and forgiveness and, I mean, just really great artwork too, Rotten Island. And then one of the first books my mom gave me when I was a young man, when I was just a young adult, was The Prophet by Khalil Gibran. Mm. Still one of my favorite books to this day and one that I go back to over and over again because I feel much like a lot of great art be it movies or music or other things that touch us, it reveals different layers depending on how you've grown and evolved as a person as you go through life.
0: You also really like Joseph Campbell.
1: Oh, one of my favorite books ever, ever, is the Joseph Campbell Companion. And this is a companion. That's the one you gave me? That's the one, yeah, it's right over here. And um, yeah, in fact, I can pull it right off your bookshelf. <laughs> here it is. It's a, it's a collection of his lectures at the Esalen Institute in Big Sur over the years. Mm. And it's essentially his beautiful melding of ancient archetypes in world mythologies and world religions and how they apply to modern life. So he talks about Islam and Christianity, Greek, Roman mythology, and how those archetypes and the hero's journey, probably made most famous by George Lucas borrowing that archetype for the Star Wars myth mythology. I just love the way that Joseph Campbell interweaves these ancient mythologies from thousands of years ago. And how they apply to our struggles and our triumphs and our sorrow of modern life. It's just a beautiful way he does that. And then the other one that comes to mind is in terms of fiction is a book by Ralph Ellison called Invisible Man. And it's about.
0: Is that the one? There's a movie coming out.
1: Yeah. It's not not that. that, No, it, 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 it literally is an allegory. It's not the person in the. Or the prota, sorry, the protagonist in this book is not actually invisible. Mm. It's a it's a story about racism and classism and Mm. um, the struggle of that and and phenomenal book, uh, phenomenal book, Invisible Man. I mean, there's so many. I wish I was looking at my bookshelf right now. There's those are the immediate four to five that come to mind. But I find Whitney kind of going back to you saying you read multiple books at a time. I find that now. I can't really do more than two at a time or I feel overwhelmed with everything else I've got going on in my life. So in addition to Becoming Supernatural, the Dispenza book, which I started reading on my trip back from San Francisco about a month ago, I started reading uh, Jen Sincero's uh, You Are a Badass at Making Money. Oh, yeah. And it's, yeah, it's, it's cool. I mean, I feel like, like- like I, I, appreciate you, Jen. If you happen to listen to this, it, it's. What if she
0: wants to be a guest one day? We have to be kind. No, no, no.
1: I, I'm just being honest. Like I feel like I feel like it's a retelling or a reframing of a lot of energetic law of attraction concepts that I've already heard. So mm. I'm not knocking it, but it's not necessarily a thing where I'm like, whoa, this is revelatory new information. Well, which is fine. Maybe that's the point. It's just of it, reinforcing though,
0: is it. that. Yeah, it's, it's some of these books serve to kind of condense a bunch of information together. True. It's not to be something new. True.
1: Yeah. Good. Re- I mean, a good reminder. And and she's of course- a great,
0: great writer. And the, the other person that comes to mind on that note, I, I'm just so drawn to Elizabeth Gilbert as a person. Yeah. You know, Eat, Pray, Love is a fantastic book. We read. What was that one about?
1: Big Magic Big is in magic. my queue. Yep. I, I only, I have only gotten halfway through it, and I mean to finish it. Yes. I want I, to. I finish don't
0: know it. if I finished it either. I might have, I might have been, gotten like it's, three quarters of the way through. But it's, it's so staring. good. It's
1: staring at me though from the bookshelf, yeah. kind of like Bella stares at me when I'm walking out the door. Like it's this guilty look like, you only finished me halfway. I'm like, I'll get to you. I promise I'll get to you.
0: But that's so interesting too about statistics about how the average person won't even make it past the first chapter of a book. Yeah, that's I think right. Tony
1: Robbins talks about that. Yeah, mm-hmm. for
0: sure. And that's an interesting statistic to look up. I also looked up some reasons to read from a wellness perspective. Ooh. So one of them that there's a number of different studies on this that people reported that when they read... I guess it it all depends on how much you read. There's a lot of different factors, but some studies have shown that it can protect you against brain lesions and self-reported memory decline. And then remaining an avid reader into old age reduced memory decline by more than 30% compared to engaging in other forms of mental activity. So there are actually some really great physical mental reasons. Plus on the emotional side, Apparently even reading for just six minutes can reduce stress. Hmm. And reading is more calming than listening to music or going on a walk, which I've actually read multiple times. So
1: Oh, I thought you were about to say you've actually read whilst going on a walk. That's what I thought you were about to tell me. I was like, that's a skill.
0: I don't that's think I mean, skill. but wow. audiobooks count, right?
1: <laughs> that's true. Right? I mean uh,
0: for a while I was taking walks really frequently as a form of exercise. And I would always listen to an audiobook or a podcast, but more often than not, an audiobook of some sort. And like I said, that's what I do every time I'm in the car. I mean, it's funny too when people feel frustrated about driving long distances or being in traffic. To me, it's amazing because it gives me time to read a book. I mean, to listen to a book, right? For sure. And so I I look forward to that time and I actually feel sad if I don't get to finish an audiobook because I don't go on long enough drives.
1: You know, I actually, on this tip, I have a a preference about audiobooks that I've noticed and it's when the author themselves are reading their work. In
0: most cases, some authors are not meant to be readers. No, that's true. This
1: is very true. (laughs) I mean, Um, like...
0: You know, uh, they're, they're, they're what's not the term? Voice, they're a not, voiceover artist. Yeah, <laughs> yeah
1: no, it, it's very true. They don't
0: have that within them.
1: I find that for the most part, though, there's a, there's a different kind of emotional connection mm-hmm. or mm, gravity to what they're talking about because they're the ones who wrote it and it comes from the heart. And for instance, mm-hmm. the, the one most recently I listened to was uh, 12 mm-hmm. Rules for Life by Jordan Peterson. And I listened to the audiobook version of it all the way through because it's a thick book, it's a tome. I mean, it's a big book, and there was just a certain yeah gravitas to the way he read it and his inflection and his emphasis and his passion that was just different to me than if someone other than him, as an example, would have read it on his behalf. Yep. yep. So whenever possible, in the, for the most part, to your point, I prefer when the authors themselves are the ones reading it. Absolutely, it's a different inflection, it's a different emotional weight to it.
0: Yep. I absolutely agree because there's, there's nothing worse than when you you turn in an audiobook that you're really looking forward to and then you hear the, the voiceover artist and you're like, Yeah. Ah, this although, is going to be tough for me to make it through it.
1: Although there's one category of books that don't, at least I've, I've not seen an audiobook component. So when I did Eternity a couple years back, uh, I had a lot of people actually email me and go, Oh, is there going to be an audiobook version? I was like, What do you mean? And now add two tablespoons of cornstarch. And now add a quarter cup of black sesame seeds. Stir gently, cook on low to medium heat for five minutes. So it was like, they were laughing. I'm like, I don't think they, and I actually wrote my publisher, Hay House, and I said, um, is it standard practice to do cookbook and lifestyle guides? As a, they're like, not really. And so we had a laugh about it because they're like, what are you gonna do, read the recipe directions? So, but to the other point though, much like your, you know, your, your new book, oh, Whitney, the Vegan Ketogenic Diet Cookbook, there's a lot of good, lifestyle information there as well. So it's this—it's a bit of a conundrum in that sense because there is good non-recipe lifestyle tips and health information, but then what do you do when you get to the recipe? You're like, right. it's a bit awkward. Well, so you I think what? that's one that, category no, that they don't do. There's, there's,
0: since I listen to a lot of personal development books, there's a few that have exercises in them. And I like the four tendencies. I read that recently, right. to that recently. And it was so monotonous because she was like, all right. So on a scale from one to 10, blank, you know, fill in the blank, blah, blah, blah. And and then there'd be a pause. And I'm like, oh, God, oh, I'm just trying to listen to the audio. It book. I'm not I'm not trying to do a quiz right now. Right. Like I'll do the <laughs> quiz on your website and another the book attached that I'm reading right now. Same sort of thing. And I would find myself annoyed. But like if you're driving, you can't really easily fast forward through it. So, yeah, it is a little odd. But, you know, you gotta get the information somehow, I suppose. It's true. It's so true. actually a lot of times I will read both the physical book and listen to the audio book because I take in the information differently. And I like that because it reinforces it. The way your brain listens to something is very different than the way it's Yeah, exactly. Right. When you're reading it. And so for me, highlighting things really helps me too. And it was really sweet when my grandfather passed away, I took a number of his books because he he used to love to read as well. And I found that he takes the same sort of notes and highlighting style as me in my books. No kidding. And it's just, that was fascinating because he didn't teach me that, but he just happens to kind of, yeah, just just notate in the same way that I do. And I thought that was- fascinating and it was really cool to have his books because they just have a, a sentimental value
1: they must also smell yep. amazing
0: well one of them's right there because he what was a really big fan of norman vincent peel oh, and this is an
1: old school motivational guy.
0: very old school that's the other thing my grandfather oh, was wow. into yeah i know i love oh my I love god this is amazing and, like the 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 hard cover. yeah
1: this this guy is like back in like the um who were the other guys of that era? Like the Les Brown, old school, the Zig Ziglers, like the Zig Zig, old school yeah. motivational guys. Yeah, like, and the
0: Ripple effect This is of
1: cool. Sold 15 million copies. The Power yeah, when of Positive this Thinking.
0: was published like in the 80s or something, this, this edition. Yeah,
1: The Power of Positive Thinking is a seminal Look personal at all these development books that
0: book. he wrote too. It's pretty amazing. So my grandfather wow. and I would talk about these books too. This one, yeah, came out in 1985. This edition. 85.
1: That's incredible. I mean, it's it's so cool now because it seems like, you know, personal development and transformation coaching seems to be so ubiquitous in our culture now, as we've talked about. But it's so cool to see from whence all of this came. You know, the NLP and the positive thinking and the mantras and the affirmations. And I mean, you well, know, talk about cool. Hay House. I mean, Louie, Louise Hayes in that yeah. category too of O.G.
0: This book's cool too. I, I've actually never opened it, and it's called "Have a Great Day Every Day," and it's it's got little. Like daily.
1: Ooh, what what's on today yeah, what's wait what's today? What's the, what's the date what's the date for today?
0: Read the day for that it'll come out. So today we're recording on February eleventh. And this is again Norman Vincent Peel. In Tokyo, I once met another American, an inspiring man from Pennsylvania, crippled from some form of paralysis. He was on another around the world journey in a wheelchair, getting a huge kick out of all of his experiences. I commented that nothing seemed to get him down. His reply was a classic. It's only my legs that are paralyzed. The paralysis never got into my mind.
1: Mm. It's
0: almost like a chicken soup for the soul type of it moment. is, isn't it? Which, you know, we, we had the pleasure of having Mark Victor Hansen on as a guest. I don't know when that episode's coming out, but I'll definitely link to that in the show notes. Okay, f- so for March 2nd, which is the day this is scheduled to come out, Here's what the book says. Harry Truman once said, if you're afraid of getting burned, better stay out of the kitchen. If you're going to fight for principles and convictions, you can hardly avoid a rough time now and then. Never weaken or back down as all of us feel like doing at times. If we yield to that temptation, life may be easier, but it certainly will be less interesting. Mm. See, like this is reading nice. something like that is truly, a great way to gain perspective, to feel inspired, educated, motivated. And it does have a impact on on stress, right? It does improve your mental health to read. It really depends on what you're reading. Of course, a book like this is designed to impact you emotionally. But even a really good nonfiction book or a fiction book, I should say, It doesn't matter what it, it's just there's something about the act of reading of of being transported into a different story, you know, that's just like so magical. And I love watching television and movies and, and we have so much great content at our fingertips these days. But there's also something really incredible and almost meditative about sitting down to read a story. Because you get to create what the characters look like and sound like and Absolutely. what the world looks like. And everybody's gonna have a different experience reading those books. And I think it's just so important to do and to encourage each and every one of you to to just make more time for reading. Mm-hmm. I think even statistically, if you read for 20 minutes a day or like five, I think it's, yeah, as I just read earlier, if you read for just six minutes a day, it starts to make an impact on you you can read for 15 or 20 it can have a really profound impact on you
1: i also think like just from a personal perspective like when i meet someone and i find out that they're a a book nerd too it's hot it's sexy it's oh hell yeah it's like oh and i think a because there's a kinship of interests but b because so many people are you know not really reading as much as they used to. The statistics are, are declining in terms of people re- reading physical books. Right, versus uni- like blogs. It's unique and interesting. Yeah. But then it also reminds me, uh, John Waters, the film director of Pink Flamingos and, and many other great movies, my favorite quote of, of his and one of my favorite quotes of all time is, if you go home with someone and they don't have any books, don't fuck them. <laughs>
0: Wow. <laughs> you really like that one. Oh, huh? it's
1: fantastic. No, it's so good. And uh, yeah, it is section, a
0: turn on. I, I would say it's, the it's same thing. It's a turn thing. on. It, it is. And it's it equally is. a turn off when I find out
1: <laughs> that words. people
0: don't read Yeah. Yep. Yeah. It's, it's, it's a chance book. It's bud. not, a, it's not a deal breaker for me though, I must say. It's just that I, I don't I can't relate, you know? Yeah. I really can't relate because I feel a little bit sad if I don't read a little bit every day, mm. honestly.
1: Well, then you know it's really important to you. It obviously. is. Obviously, it's incredibly, That's that would yeah. be a non-negotiable then, and a non-negotiable.
0: Earlier today, Jason and I were talking about screen time and being more mindful of of how much we as individuals use our phones. And to me, I don't feel like reading on my iPad counts as screen time, right? It's not the same. Like my screen time is like, Doing things that don't benefit—I guess like
1: mindless things, if you will—or
0: just just like escapism thing. You know, when I looked at my recent screen time and saw I I spent a lot of time on TikTok, which is a platform I do enjoy, but if I really step back and look at it, I use TikTok that much because I'm looking for entertainment, because I'm looking for an escape, because I'm I'm honestly trying to de-stress. Right? I think a lot of us use social media because we're looking for those things. And why not get those from something like reading that actually has bigger benefits, right? Whereas I feel like maybe using social media has a lot of downsides to it. Whereas there aren't really, I can't even think of any downside to reading. Can you? like?
1: Not at all. Paper cuts, there, paper yeah. cuts. Paper cuts are the only downside. And then, but they're forgivable. <laughs> because especially if you love the book, it's like, okay, I forgive you.
0: And then if (laughs) your eye strain would be the other if you're reading from like a a digital device, but that's why we have blue blocking glasses, This is true, this is true. I, I just,
1: I put books to me in the same category as, I love and I get excited much in the same way that Whitney does about technological innovations. I'm a huge, huge car fan, always have been, and I'm a big fan of all of the autonomous and electric car technology that's coming out. And I also feel... That there's something to be said about knowing how to drive a stick shift and something really old school and tactile and analog and much like a digital reader or a tablet. I'm always going to have books and I always want to like be driving a manual transmission car, even if I have an electric car. Or have vinyl records in addition to my you know my Apple Music player. I mean, I just I, I think to me there's an important. Thing to keeping analog, tactile, physical things alive in life, and not having everything be so automated and digitized. And that's just me. I, I, I don't know. Maybe it's because I was raised with a rotary phone and a black and white TV, which I literally was. That there's just a love for analog technology that I just I adore. Mm-hmm. I adore. And I and part of reading books is to me kind of like analog tech. I put it in that same category as a stick shift car or. You know, vinyl records or things like that. Right. There's something really sweet about it. I don't know. It's a different experience.
0: Mm-hmm. Well, as we begin to wrap up, out of curiosity, I just looked up disadvantages to reading. Because oh, off the top oh, of my wow. head, I could not think of any. Please. But here's some interesting, interesting uh, disadvantages I found. One is that books can look messy if you have too many. Okay. That's, that's, that's a not, stretch. That's not really a, it's a stretch. But this is interesting. Reading can be lonely because some people start to prefer the company of books over people. Mm. So much Mm. like social media. Relatable. So that's why, (laughs) well, that's why, you know, I'm glad we began with doing something outside of your home, you know, joining a book club, for instance, could be another great way to make it more social. Mm -hmm. This was interesting. Less time for quote unquote being cool. Okay. Oh, because you don't like, you're not as into things like pop culture from watching TV shows or whatever. Interesting. I think
1: it's cooler if you don't know that stuff yeah, personally. It is. It is. Personally. But
0: sometimes you can feel like you're missing out when everyone's like, oh, did you see blah, 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 like I'm this like, new movie no, or No, I just read
1: For Whom the Bell Tolls by Hemingway. That was my <laughs> Saturday night. That was my Saturday night. Sorry.
0: Okay. Lack of sleep. Interesting. Certainly reading can keep you up at night, but I actually find reading is a really great way to end the day because it, it's very soothing and so I fall asleep after reading, you know, a few pages of a book or so. It also helps me wind down a lot. Yep. And de-stress. Movie versions, that the the movie doesn't match the book, trying to choose a favorite. Money for books as we talked about. I mean, some people spend a lot of money on audiobooks or physical books and that's why I'm always going to plug platforms like Libby and Overdrive because you can borrow books for free digitally or you can actually go to a library. You can also swap books you know, you, you could ask a friend and borrow one of their books. I do that too. Yeah, some of mine on your bookshelf downsides. right now. <laughs> um, another disadvantage is people that read more than they implement. So depending on the the reason that you're reading, this is also interesting being unsure of what to believe because you've read so many different perspectives that you can actually become confused because you took in too much information. I
1: feel like this is something in scientific mm. literature, specifically around nutrition. I actually had a conversation this past weekend with someone who was like, but I don't know what to believe. I'm like, well, you can find scientific research from a variety of sources that often contradict each other. Yep. So ultimately experiment with your body and see what feels good to you. Yep, I, I think that's- I agree. I absolutely as a sidebar. I, th-
0: I think it's actually very important to consider different perspectives because if we only read the same information and we don't look at outside of our bubble, yes. then it, it can be very dangerous. So yes. I encourage people to to read multiple perspectives. Uh, not implementing, of course. Trying to decide what book is worth your time and energy because not every book is going to be really good. So you might not finish a book simply because it, it's not your style. It's not what you're interested in. Right. Another reason worth, um, you can go to a bookstore in person and, and flip through the book, read a couple pages before you buy it. You can preview books on platforms like Amazon, which will allow you to, to see a few pages. And again, borrowing books is a great way to uh, see if something's worth your time. Yeah. So those are, let's see, any other, any other just, Disadvantages here. Ooh, I also found an article about digital reading pros and cons. Let's see. Uh, people cautionary notes.
1: We're doing this in real time, y'all. I
0: am. I'm looking, I'm real looking time. through this. Inability to give books away is a dis- disadvantage. That's true. Oh. Right? Like if you buy a digital book, you can't give it away to someone when that's you're done true. reading it. That's true. Another reason to get a loan from the library. That's, that's very true. Hmm. I don't see a lot of disadvantages, to be honest. Most of, the, most of these you can easily find a workaround to, right? I'm going to say
1: no deal breakers on either nope. of those lists. Nope. No deal breakers, For y'all. For sure. And also, you know, I just, I think um, from a creative standpoint, if I may, and I'm curious if you feel this way, Whitney, because your, your book literally just came out, there's something very pleasing when you're an author about having the physical copy of what you've created in your hands. It's different you see it on screen, you know it's real. It's like great, I have a Kindle version, I have an ebook, but there's just something about having your book in your hands that is so I don't know, it's just pleasing in a completely different way. Mm-hmm. It's it's I don't know, it feels more real. It feels I keep using the word tactile over and over, but the physical book in your hands that you've created, it's such a sweet, pleasing, triumphant Emotional experience. I, I, I don't know. It's different.
0: yeah. And somebody actually said this to me on social media today. They mm. they messaged me on Instagram and said, oh, "I'm so excited to have your book because I I don't like eBooks. Yeah. And my only other books that I've come out with have been eBooks. Right. So. This is your
1: first physical book.
0: Exactly. I mean, it's you awesome. know, if you're a self-published author, you can actually go on Amazon and people can order your books printed right. through Amazon. Right. Um, and I'm sure some other platforms do that as well. So. I'm actually working on making my other big ebook, Healthy, Organic, Vegan on a Budget, available on Amazon because it's only been available since it came out in 2014. It's only been available through my website. Well you
1: have an updated version. It's, I'm working
0: on an updated yeah. version and a version that's going to be available on Amazon so that way it can reach a bigger audience and maybe I'll make it So that you can order the printed version. I don't know. I also feel
1: there's a power about uh, speaking things into existence. Mm -hmm. And most recently, I'm going to relate it back to books, but there were two Super Bowl, super interesting tweets that came out after the Super Bowl this year. One was from Demi Lovato from 2010, like January 2010, that said, one day I'm going to sing at the Super Bowl. Yep. Ten years later, she sang in the Super Bowl. And then Patrick Mahomes, the uh, Super Bowl MVP from the Kansas City Chiefs, also like back in 2012 or 2013, before he was in the NFL, said, I'm going to make it to the Super Bowl someday and say, I'm going to Disneyland. And so it's so interesting. Wait, did he say that? Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Or Disney World now.
0: Like he he wanted to be able to say that line at the Super Bowl. And he did. In
1: his tweet. And he did that. (laughs) And so it was interesting as people unearthed <laughs> these that was tweets. the
0: thing. Remember when we were growing up, it was like- I'm going to Disneyland. Yeah, like oh, that yeah. was-
1: <laughs> Yeah, and no, so to see like Demi Lovato and, and Patrick Mahomes having these tweets from Demi a decade ago and Patrick from like seven years ago saying like speaking these things into existence, I think this might get uncomfortable is the perfect title for a book. True. And I also feel that as you and I are diving ever deeper into this podcast, talking about, all the things we talk about—that it seems like a natural extension of where this brand is growing and mutating and evolving into—and it feels like we've already got the title. Yep. So I'm—I'm going to say that at some point there will be a book co-authored called "This Might Get Uncomfortable." I'm feeling it, and so I'm speaking it into existence.
0: I haven't thought about that, but I like that. It's a good title. It's—it's. It's, uh, <laughs> I didn't tell you this, Jason. So I'll, I'll tell you this now as we, we wrap up this episode. Over the weekend when I went to the City Summit event where I had the pleasure of having Mark Victor Hansen on as a guest. The author
1: of Chicken Soup for the Soul. Yes.
0: And, and that, I don't, again, I don't know when that's coming out, but that'll link, be linked to in the show notes at wellevator.com, W-E-L-L-E-V-A-T-R.com. And of course, you can subscribe to the podcast so that you'll be notified when new episodes come out. When I was at that event the woman that runs our podcast network and the amazing team at Poditise was introducing me to Mark's wife, Crystal. And she went up to her and said, oh, so you're going to be a guest on Whitney's podcast and it's called This Might Get Uncomfortable. And, and the woman paused and she was waiting for the title of the podcast because she thought that this, <laughs> like she was being braced for an uncomfortable name. She didn't realize that this might be uncomfortable. Was the name? She thought That's that she was amazing. being told, "Hey, I'm about to tell you the title, and just a heads up, this, this might, might get, get uncomfortable.
1: uncomfortable." Dot dot dot. Yep. Hilarious. And
0: I had never thought about that before. I I always find it really interesting when we say the title of our podcast to people, and they it's like takes them a second, and then they're like, "That's really interesting."
1: Interesting is the word that comes up, and usually they furrow their brow yeah. in like a very curious way. Yep. It's like, huh well, I'll take a listen. <laughs> it's like, cool. Thank you very much. So for those of you who are listening and have been listening, whether it's your first time or you've been with us on this journey, we appreciate your support and your listenership and all the shares on social media. And for all of the show notes, all the links to all of the books and resources we mentioned, you can go to the show notes once again at our website, which is wellevator.com. That's spelled dot rcom you can get all of the amazing books, and if you want to get the physical copies or the digital copies, we'll have them all available for you. And uh, please comment on the show notes. We have a comment section, and you can always shoot us direct messages. We are on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter, and also TikTok under and Pinterest, at, and Pinterest under at We're on Most of the platforms. We're on most of the platforms, so if you want to find us, you can find us pretty easily. Yep. So with that said, um, Whitney, congrats again on the vegan ketogenic diet cookbook. I'm just Honestly, I feel like a proud brother seeing your book come out and us both being published authors now. So um, Pretty cool. we'll, we'll do we'll do an air toast right now with our mics.
0: And we have to air include toast. Nicole, who is in one of our recent episodes, Nicole Dursway, my co-author.
1: Shout out to Nicole Dursway, the really incredible fun chef. It's
0: really to say, hey, I'm a published author. Isn't
1: it cool? Yeah. It's really cool. You have
0: to stay with emphasis. Right. Like, hey, you have to point to your chest. <laughs> like, I want to be acknowledged for being a published author
1: it is phenomenal and uh, the recipes are wonderful and beautiful and delicious so Thank again you. we'll have uh, links to both Whitney's and Nicole's new cookbook and my cookbook and we got all the recipes covered for you guys if you want to do the plant-based thing okay we got you